Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. It's a voicemail Friday. You guys have uh, have called in quite a bit. We have a couple of questions that we need to answer for all of you beautiful, beautiful people. And uh, David, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into voicemail number one. Hey, David. Hey, James. It's Adam from Cumming, Georgia. Just uh, wanted to say hey, and uh, I had a couple thoughts. I know you guys were doing Mock Draft Monday, and uh, I see on all the Bucks websites that a lot of people are thinking Jacob Eason would be a great fit. I'm not doubting that or anything, but I also feel as if Jalen Hurts wouldn't be such a bad guy to pick either. Um, I know we've got a lot of stuff that we need to think about when it comes to picking somebody up in the draft, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the two, Jacob Eason and Jalen Hurts, and uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to you guys. Thanks for being um, awesome and having the uh, show keep going during this hard time for everybody. It's uh, definitely a pick-me-up. So go Bucks, and you guys have a great day. Adam, thanks for the call. Uh, appreciate it, man. Hope you're doing good out there. And I'll tell you right now, with what you just said on this show, I you may have very well just become one of my favorite callers into this into this program. Uh, I'm not going to lie because I am absolutely a Jalen Hurts guy. Uh, listen, so Jacob Eason, I understand that a lot of people, you know, early in the offseason, even a little bit during the season, there were kind of people talking about Jacob Eason, how he might be a fit with Bruce Arians and in this kind of – in this style of offense and, and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, in – a clean pocket on a solid platform with you know no angry defensive linemen looking for bonus checks and all that stuff breathing down his neck and a really good offensive line that's going to give him three seconds or so every snap on every passing play. Jacob Eason can make every single throw on an NFL field that you need him to. He can do it on time. He can hit the guy right in the spot that you need to hit him either between the numbers, in the hands, however you want to do it. The problem, though, comes in when inevitably on the field of play – a pass rusher gets through the offensive line or an offensive lineman stumbles or the hands get placed wrong or whatever, um, whatever happens. The problem comes when that pocket can't give him a full three seconds. The problem comes when the wide receiver doesn't win a route early. So Jacob doesn't have 100% confident that his receiver is going to win that route at the top of the route at the break point to come out, come out and make the catch. Because when those things happen, Jacob Eason has shown during his college career that he has a tendency to either crumble under the pressure in the pocket or he waits too long. He, he basically waits to see that a receiver is actually open. He confirms the receiver's open before he throws the ball. He doesn't throw the receiver's open. He doesn't trust his receiver necessarily. And because of those things, in the National Football League, we've all seen it. Pass rushers are faster. Defensive backs are better. Those are going to lead to interceptions, pick sixes, big sacks, big losses, uh, he's, he's mentally just not where Jalen Hurts is because of experience. Yeah, I, I don't mind Jalen Hurts. I'm definitely not as big of a fan of him as you are. I also don't mind uh, Jacob Eason. But as we get closer and closer to the draft, I'm starting to develop the opinion that they can wait. They don't need to take a quarterback right now. 
address the positions that need to be addressed. You need an offensive tackle. You need a running back. You need a wide receiver. You need a safety. You need depth along the offensive line. You need depth along the defensive line. You need depth at linebacker. These are my my thoughts on what they need to attack. And I know Jason Light said in his um, in his pre-draft meeting with the Bucks media, David, you were there. You saw him talk about it. Um, that they still have some some free agents that they may go after. They're not going to try to fill every hole via the draft and and they may reach a point where it strictly is best player available and I think he even threw out the idea that he could go wide receiver in round one so um I like Hertz I like Eason I don't think either one of them is a guy that the Bucks have to take this year there's going to be a Hertz there's going to be an Eason in next year's draft we we always see it we see six seven eight quarterbacks emerge as those first two day guy or those first yeah the first two day guys it's it's not something that they have to force go ahead address the positions they're going to have an immediate impact on the team right now in 2020 with Tom Brady address some of your depth issues and if a quarterback happens to be the best player available on your board then go for it but I don't I I've I think I finally reached the opinion where I'm not stressing about making sure they get the quote-unquote quarterback of the future in this draft. Address the stuff that they need right now, and if a quarterback happens to fall in your lap, then you know I'm, I'm good with it. A voicemail-heavy Friday episode here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. We have got plenty of voicemails to go over. Great questions from you guys. So, James, let's go ahead and hit the second one. What's going on, Locked On Squad? It's your boy Mo Smith calling from Santa Clara, California. San Jose. Um, so, uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to everybody in the, in the essential uh, essential jobs. You know, doing everything that they can to keep us safe and keep us healthy. Uh, big shout out to them. They're doing a, a, a great things for us uh, in the environment and the community. Um, but uh, getting back to the Bucks, the uh, defense looking good, man. Uh, Vita Vea, we got that locked down on the defensive end. Seems like we got, uh, you know. Pillars at different areas, different levels. Vita Vea is the defensive pillar. We got uh, Devin White as the uh, linebacker pillar. And uh, I really like that kid, Sean Murphy Bunting, man. Uh, I think he's going to be great. Uh, seems like where we're lacking is our safety. And that uh, that last little, uh, you know, end of the defense. Uh, I know we got uh, Whitehead and Evans, but it doesn't seem like they're the ones. Uh, if we are going to tackle it in the draft, just like we did last year, what do you – who do you like in the uh, you know second and third round? Um, maybe trade trade our draft pick back, like people have been talking about. If we don't get our tackle um, and uh, pick up some more picks, so that we can do something like what we did last year, and uh, you know go heavy after safety uh, like we did cornerback. Uh, but I'm just uh, engaging and seeing what you guys feeling. Uh, who who are your uh, ideal picks in the uh, second and third round for uh, safety? If that was uh, our route that we go. Hey, I love uh, everything you guys are doing, and stay safe, and uh, appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, thank you very much for the call, and, and certainly echo your sentiments about the essential workers out there. Much appreciative of everything that they are doing. Um, David, this is something that we've talked about a couple of times now. Uh, when we start to look at the safety market, if the Buccaneers would be in the market, for one on day two, which they very well could be. And we keep bringing up names of guys like Ashton Davis and, and Antoine Winfield Jr. 
Uh, help me out here, David. The the kid out of is it Eastern Illinois, Northern Illinois? Is it Jeremy Kenny? Chin, and then you Jeremy got Kyle Chin. Duger as well, or Duggar? Uh, yeah, Kyle Duggar. I was I was trying to combine the two. I I kept thinking that, that <laughs> Chin's name started with a his first name started with a K. Well, I do believe um, they have the same agent. So I mean, I guess you're okay there. Okay, I'll yeah, I'll I'll take what I can get at this point. I've even seen it, you know, mock drafts or mock drafts, but I've even seen Grant Delpit fall into the beginning of the second round. Uh, yeah, safety is not a position that usually goes in the in the first round, at least not often, not unless you have a a really you know game changing kind of guy like you, you're Derwin James. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Jamal Adams, yeah, those kind of guys, but. Yeah, I think I think safety is certainly something that they're going to be looking at. But you know, is is there going to be a a premium set on the offensive side of the ball as far as tackle, running back, wide receiver before they go to look at that safety market? They did bring back Andrew Adams. Well, of course, we don't know the future of of Justin Evans' injury. You still have Mike Edwards out there who yeah he still needs a little bit of work, but he had his moments last year, so. That may be another thing that they're pretty set as far as their starters are concerned. Maybe they have the faith in, in Adams and Whitehead and, and Edwards to be able to go out there and get the job done, and they may just be looking for depth on day four, or maybe that's a position that Jason Light was referring to when talking about that second wave of free agency. Yeah, looking at, at day two, I really think that a lot of it just kind of hinges on what happens on day one. I mean, if, if the Bucks come in and at pick 14, they get one of those top four offensive linemen off the board, one of those presumed tackles of the future, then, you know, I think they're pretty good there. And you're probably looking at more like day three before they probably address the offensive line again. But I mean, if they end up in a situation where they maybe have to draft for for a positional value versus, you know, roster value. So if they do have to reach on say a Josh Jones, maybe at 14, they're not hundred percent comfortable with that. Maybe they come back and they, they readdress the offensive line again in the third round. Uh, Nick Harris out of Washington is an interior offensive lineman that I really like. And, if you, if you look at what the Buccaneers have done, uh, they, they've already got kind of the first four parts of their offensive line secure. They brought in Joe Haig, who a lot of people who have seen him in Indianapolis argue he could be a starting swing, you know, a swing tackle starting for your team on the, on the right side. Uh, so if they do go with a Josh Jones or if they do go with an Austin Jackson because they miss out on that top four and they trade back or whatever, however they do it, Nick Harris could be a guy they bring in because now you've got Haig, you've got Jackson or uh, Jones, and then you've got uh, Nick. Uh, Nick Harris, sorry, to add to that group. And now you've got a very solid, you know, grouping of offensive linemen that you can work with as you need to versus last year. We saw that be uh, a very big weakness. Now, free safety is another one. But uh, one question that didn't get to get asked today with Jason, we only had him for about 20 to 30 minutes. And one question that didn't get asked was how he really feels about Andrew Adams and uh, about Mike Edwards heading into the offseason as far as, you know, are they – are we either one of them kind of a legit starting free safety? And to be honest, even if the question got asked, I mean, it's pre-draft, you know what I mean? Jason's not going to tip his hand too much, so who knows what kind of answer we would have really gotten out of him. Uh, I don't feel like they would have brought Andrew Adams back unless they felt like he was a guy who could continue to grow and maybe become that full-time starter. So those are, are kind of the things that, you know, it's eye of the beholder type stuff. If they feel like Andrew Adams is a good enough safety to take them into the season – as a starter, they may wait till day three to take a flyer and see what happens with Justin Edwards or Justin Evans. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you go after, say, Xavier McKinney in the second round or Grant Delpit or, you know, Ashton Davis in the second round, and then you got Andrew Adams, you got Mike Edwards, and let's say Justin Edward Evans comes back healthy, well, now you've got a little bit of a problem because you've got a lot of resources dumped into one position. Only one guy can really play the position. And, I mean, what are you going to do? Trade two of them for draft? You know, 
So it, it's really just an eye of the beholder type thing. Without knowing how the Bucks feel about Andrew Adams, it's hard to answer that question. But I would expect safety, running back, offensive line, and wide receivers in days two and three. All right, David, let's go ahead and get into our next voicemail. Hi, guys. This is JT from Texas. I've been wondering about a certain topic. I've been hearing a lot of talk about Chris Godwin this offseason. I, I am a fan. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's going to be great. But I kind of, I'm kind of wondering why they're pushing Evan out as much as they are. And it's not just the Bucks; uh, it's the national media. Everybody's overlooking Evan and focusing on Godwin more. He was one of them that that showed off the new uniforms. I just, I just don't know why he's being pushed further than Evans. Evans is a stud. He ain't going nowhere anytime soon. He's still great. You've had one year with Chris Godwin, and I'm not talking bad about the guy. He's a great receiver. But Evans is still better. Chris has got a niche. He's had a good year. But Evans is the Buccaneer receiver that I've come to love. I was just wondering why so much love for Chris and none for Evans. See if you guys can answer that for me. Y'all have a good one. Go Bucks. I hope both of them have a great year next year. All right, JT, we appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the question. Um, listen, so I don't, I don't see obviously everything that you're watching, right? I'm not in your living room, so I don't see what's on your TV 24-7. But here's, here's a little bit of something that I can tell you that might help kind of answer the question. And, of course, the question being, you know, why is Chris Godwin getting so much press and Mike Evans is not getting as much? And on the, the first part of that answer, I will tell you, is that Mike Evans doesn't want it. Uh, Mike Evans is not a media person, not saying that he doesn't like the media, but he's just, he's not a guy like that's not really part of the game that attracts him the way that it does track some other people. I'm not saying Chris Godwin is, you know, like a camera hog or just kind of looking for the glory or anything like that. But in the off season, especially Mike really likes to focus on his family. He likes to dedicate that time to them because you guys already know this during the season, once, especially once training camp gets started, it's pretty much all football all day, every day. You know, he's either studying, he's either watching film, preparing, practicing, uh, mending, getting treatment, or he's playing or he's traveling. So he likes to dedicate that offseason and his off time in general, honestly, to his family. And, and I'll take you back to uh, Chris Godwin's Team Godwin uh, uh, Foundation launch. He was there. He was there for the foundation launch. Uh, he with a bunch of the other players. And I'll tell you, like, not, uh, not right away, but almost, you know, pretty closely after like all the formal stuff was done and all the speeches and all the auctions and, and all that stuff were happening. Uh, he, he went around and he said his goodbyes and he, he dipped, he went back home to his wife and to his family, you know, uh, and that's just who Mike Evans is. He's a, he's a great teammate and a great player and all that stuff, but I wouldn't take it as the Buccaneers aren't putting Mike Evans on as much, or they're putting Chris Godwin out there more. It's just probably more of a fact that Mike just isn't as interested in doing, you know, sitting down and, and, sitting on FaceTime with ESPN, whereas Chris is much more media. You call it media friendly, but it's not. Don't take it to the extreme where, like, Mike Evans hates media and Chris Godwin loves media. It's just Mike likes to spend his time with the people that he does his – he makes his living for, which is his family. I don't blame him for it. Uh, but I will tell you from personal experience, we his agent actually called him twice last offseason for us to see if he wanted to come on the show. And both times he was like, hey – at training camp during the season, I love it. Hit me up during the off season, though. I'm chilling. I'm with my family. 
completely understand completely respect it but that's the that's the easiest part of the answer i can give you yeah i don't think it's a slight against mike evans in the least and and even in the national media you go back to the buildup of free agency and the tom brady soap opera of where is he gonna go you know what's his best fit and every single person when they talked about tampa bay they said look at look at the weapons tampa bay has in the first name out of their mouths mike evans and then chris godwin so, yeah, it's it's not a slight to Evans at all, and, and David's 100% right. You know, his his offseason, that's his family time. That's his time with his wife. That's his time with his daughters. That's, you know, whatever they want to be doing, and, and he's taking them to school or, or, you know, taking them to the wizarding world of Harry Potter. We all know how much Mike loves, loves Harry Potter, and, you know, he's, he's having his own personal time. It's his time to unwind. It's his time to relax. He doesn't have these media obligations. And he can absolutely, you know, say, no, I don't really feel like doing that. You know, I don't, I don't want to go on ESPN's Get Up. I don't want to be on NFL Network today. You know, maybe with the Buccaneers, it was, you know, we, you know, we asked Mike. He actually had a previous engagement already scheduled he wasn't available or and maybe this is just going to be my tin foil uh hat theory chris godwin's in a contract year maybe chris godwin was the choice for the hype video and the the photos and everything to say look you know look how much we love you look how much we you know we want you to be a, a big part of this you're out here with levante david and our number one pick from last year like we're we're dedicated to you we want to show you this love and and please don't leave please don't go anywhere as a free agent where you could get paid lots and lots and lots of money please stay here but more than likely it's because Mike likes to have his family time in the off season. And, and that's basically what it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a reward too. Like, Hey, you're, you're a huge team player. You just gave up your number that you've tied kind of your persona to, and you've given it up to this quarterback. That we just brought in to welcome him to the team and da, 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 da. let's reward you by, Hey, do you want to be part of the video, the uniform release hype video? And again, Chris is, you know, Chris is in the, in the first few years of his career. Like this is all still extremely fun to him. He doesn't have, any children at home it's you know it's him and mariah i mean right now it's him and mariah and, and a couple other people all quarantined together but yeah i mean i mean i think it really just boils down to chris is just kind of more up to these things or wanting to do these things and, and all that stuff i mean well i mean james last year when we had him on the show it was kind of we actually got a hold of his agent at the time and it was kind of like a hey we can do this but it's got to be within this time frame because then he's going on vacation and once he goes on vacation he's shutting it down and it's like you know that's again none of this stuff is contractually obligate like there's nothing in chris's contract that says he has to be there for the photo shoot there's nothing in mike's that says he has to be it's just you know who who they who they ask and who does show up i mean uh yeah i don't i don't think there's anything to it to be honest with you i think it's just more that chris is more willing to go out there and plus he's got a new agency you know i mean he just signed with caa so they're probably trying to show him the love say hey look you made a really good decision by signing with us because look at all these national tv spots we've got you on uh, so yeah, I don't. I think it's really a whole lot of nothing to be honest. With you. I think you know the Bucks love Mike Evans just as much as they like Chris Godwin. They and they understand just like you do that Mike has done more for this franchise at this point in their careers than Chris has. To be fair, the the video was done before the number swap. How how dare you argue with me? I, just letting you know. No, you're 100 percent right, actually. But uh, <laughs> either way, um, you know what? It might be Penn State bias because the social media director for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a Penn State alum and. So is Chris Godwin. So I'm just going to throw out that conspiracy to gloss over my error. 
<laughs> it's a voicemail Friday here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, and we have one more to get to. So without further ado, David, let's fire it up. Hey, David. Hey, James. This is Steven right out of Tampa Bay. Um, big listener. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for everything you do. So something I wanted to throw out there is that I know, you know, going into this season, having a running game or at least maybe someone to also help Ronald Jones progress and establish our running game uh, would be a big deal. And I would love the idea, and I want to see how you guys feel, about Frank Gore coming in, you know, future Hall of Famer, um, you know, up there on the all-time yards list. And what he was able to do with Devin Singletary in Buffalo, I think, was really, really awesome. And I can only imagine what he'd be able to do for Ronald Jones. Because you look at Ronald Jones, I mean, who has he really had as someone to uh, guide him along and progress him, you know? you know? Not knocking on anybody else that he's played with, but Frank Gore, I think, could be a really big difference maker and another big, uh, you know, leader in the locker room. Thanks, guys. All right, Stephen, thank you very much for the phone call. Look, I am a Frank Gore guy. Love Frank Gore. David and I have talked about him numerous times, dating all the way back to our old podcast. He always seems to come up because he always seems to get a thousand yards. Not really sure how it happens, but he manages to do it, and it's amazing. My feeling on Frank Gore at this stage is he is not what the Buccaneers need. I understand the leadership and the experience that he brings the, as you mentioned, the things that he could teach Ronald Jones and, and how he could bring him along, but that's not, that's not what they need at the running back position right now. They're not going to carry Frank Gore essentially to be a coach. They're going to draft the position. They're going to, to continue to get younger on offense outside of the quarterback position, Frank Gore is not going to offer anything to this offense that is going to help them achieve what they want to do. They need to get a consistent pass catching back. They need to get a guy who can pick up blitzes, you know, and and be a blocking running back on on some of these dropbacks. They need a a three down guy essentially, and I'm not saying someone to come in and play all three downs and take Ronald Jones' job, but they need that style of player. So that's why we we talk about the DeAndre Swifts and the J.K. Dobbinses and the uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaires. You know, those are the guys that are going to come in and they can do things on the football field that Ronald Jones can't. And I think at whatever it's 66 years old. You know, Frank Gore is not going to be able to provide that. If he got into coaching and and the Bucks took a chance on him as a running backs coach, all in. As far as being a a running back on the fifty three man roster, I'm I'm not here for it. Yeah, like like you said, James, I'm a I'm a big fan of of Frank Gore and his career and what he's been able to do. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think he's right for this team. I don't think he's what this team needs. I just, I just don't think he brings enough anymore to the field. And it, and it sucks because, you know, he's, he's already been on record saying he wants to play. He wants to continue his career. Uh, I almost kind of wonder, and there's some speculation going on out there. Maybe he's trying to play until his son makes it to the league and maybe be able to play with his son. I don't know if there's anything real to that. Cause that's, you're talking at least three more years. And uh, Frank is, is a talented man. 
and has accomplished a lot in his career, but I don't know if he's got three years in him. Running back is not the position. I mean, he's 36 years old right now. Running back is not the position that you're going to make it to 40 in the National Football League. And, you know, you talk about his ability to make, you know, an impact on the field and reach 1,000 yards. I mean, yeah, in his heyday he was, but, I mean, uh, 2018 and 19, two different teams, you know, with the Dolphins and 18, Bills in 19, and he didn't crack 1,000 yards. He didn't crack 750 yards in either of those seasons. And it's not, you know, again, it's not a detriment to him. I mean, the, the man is is almost 37 years old. He's been playing the game. The average shelf life of an NFL player is, what, five years, right? And a running back, I mean, how many running backs don't even make it to the end of their first contract before they're just broken from the amount of punishment that they take? So, you know, hats off to him. Don't want to sound disrespectful. I just, I don't feel like Frank, uh, outside of just, you know, his his name and, kind of the notoriety of it. I don't think he brings anything to the field that the Buccaneers are really in need of. Uh, now, that being said, you know, uh, if the draft comes and goes and the running back room is Ronald Jones, uh, draft pick, uh, Daria Ogunbowale and TJ Logan, and they bring him in, you know, vet minimum or, you know, whatever whatever he would earn, uh, you know, low, unguaranteed contract just to kind of see what he, what he's still got, if he can bring anything to the table. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not against him showing up for camp. I just don't honestly feel like it's a move that would would bleed over into the regular season. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, thank you to all of you who called. Please continue to call in. We're getting closer and closer to the draft. David and I are still trying to concoct an idea as to what kind of draft contest we are going to run for another giveaway here at the Locked on Bucks podcast. But you can send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you are following along on Twitter at Locked on Bucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, and wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.